bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. (laughs) This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And a good morning, Birds fans. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365 to Mac and Mac. John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Uh, a little bit of a historic show today. Uh, episode four of year three. Add them all up. It's the 500th time Mac and Mac have come your way on Birds 365. I miss a handful of shows. Johnny Mac uh, has had actual duties where he's got to get over and hear from uh, Philadelphia Eagle players, coaches, and the like. Uh, but he and I have probably done 425 or 430 out of the 500. Damn big number of them. Johnny Mac, I'm surprised you haven't quit on me yet. I, I would have quit on me. Yeah. Well, happy, happy number 500, by the way. By the way, we've only done, you're right. We haven't done, each of us haven't done, you've done more than me, probably. I'm probably in the four, what? That was a good number, 425 range, but thereabouts. And all of a sudden, I pop on this morning and Jody usually beats me. He beat me today, but there was nobody there. And I'm told you had a green shirt on. I'm like, after 500 shows, you don't know you can't wear a green shirt. So I think that's what happened. I was was trying to do an homage to the Eagles because it is our 500 birds, Eagles, green, 65, and completely went. Can't wear green in front of the green screen. Idiot that I am. Hopefully we get to a thousand. We'll, 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 we'll. We need more reps. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no, if we're doing birds 365, less reps is more reps. We got to stay healthy. We don't, we don't want to be missing shows. That's so. true. We got to we gotta manage. We got to load management. Exactly. Yeah. Remember what team we're talking about here. That would be the Philadelphia Eagles, and we'll talk about it for the next two hours. We've got two good guests coming your way. Uh, our buddy Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation going to hop aboard in less than 20 minutes now. And yes, once again, we're scheduled to have Seth uh, Joyner on. And uh, whenever we get Seth on, it's great. Seth's great wherever he shows up, including, of course, the post-game show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, we kind of get our days mixed up the other day. We were supposed to come on earlier. So I said, Seth, Thursday is our 500 show. You want to be part of that? And he said, count me in for Thursday. 
So we are banking on Seth joining, joining us in about an hour and 15 minutes. We'll see uh, whenever we have a miscommunication and scheduling uh, your next time up. You do so tentatively. You promote the guests tentatively. So I'm tentatively promoting one of the best guests you can get on when you're talking about Philadelphia Eagles football. That would be Seth Joyner. Uh, hopefully to join us in about an hour and 15 minutes. All right, uh, Johnny Mack, we are officially three weeks out from the NFL draft. We're going to talk plenty of draft today and get both BLG and, and Seth's thoughts on it. But before we go to the draft, I, I did see the video. I know you were probably on the uh, conference call, the media virtual get-together with the Eagles' backup quarterback for this year, Marcus Mariota. And damn if he didn't look like a guy who just got back from Hawaii. Looked pretty <laughs> relaxed. Uh, was uh, happy to talk to you guys. Checked all the boxes. Said all the right things. Yeah, man. Uh, I know you're, you're hoping it's one of those weird situations where best-case scenario is... Marcus, you look good in the uniform, and you never get a chance to play. Just stand there on that sideline. Hold that clipboard proudly, buddy. We'd like to have Jalen Hurts play all 17 games. But at least he did uh, seem to understand what his position is on this team as their backup quarterback for next year. Yeah, and that's a good thing. And, you know, Marcus, that's what he mentioned. He's been through pretty much everything, you know, being a starter, being a franchise quarterback, being – being cut, being a backup quarterback to Derek Carr with the Raiders, uh, you know, so he's got a, a lot of experience going through a lot of things and, you know, he could be a valuable tool for, for Jalen Hurts, although I don't think he needs it that much, but it doesn't hurt, you know, to have somebody who's been through pretty much the trials and tribulations because, you know, last year was such a great season for the Eagles. There wasn't a lot of uh, criticism for Jalen Hurts, nor should there have been. But there, there's going to be trouble uh, up ahead. Uh, I mean, look at the greatest quarterbacks of all time. There's hiccups uh, uh, mm-hmm. along the way, and he's going to have some adversity at some point. I don't know when, but we'll see. And 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 when you have somebody to lean on, that's a pretty good thing. And then the history of, look, we, we, we've got two seasons with Jalen Hurts as a starter. You've needed the backup. Uh, for a short period of time, both seasons. So history says Marcus Mariota will get an, an opportunity, hopefully a short one for Eagles fans' sake, whether it's one game like it was in, in, in 2021. Because remember, he didn't play two games, but the last game they sat him on purpose. Um, so it was really one because of the injury and probably should have been more, but he fought through it. And then two games last year because of the injury. Um, and he's a good backup quarterback. I mean, you can't do much better at backup quarterback than than Marcus Mariota. But, you know, that's the interesting thing about that position. You want a good backup, but you, you then you pray. He doesn't – you no, don't have to play him. Him. Yeah. <laughs> It's a bit of an oxymoron. And I think there is something to be said for the experience that he brings, quote-unquote, to the room. Um, because we all sung Howie Roseman's praises when he picked up Gardner Minshew for a day three draft pick and a guy who'd actually been a starter in the league and, and flashed a little bit. But he doesn't bring the experience that Marcus Mariota does. He was with Jacksonville. Jacksonville decided we're going to go out and take the number one quarterback in the draft. See you later, Gardner Minshew. He didn't have to go from being the man, being the savior. Gardner Minshew was never the savior in Tennessee. Marcus Mariota was supposed to be the savior in Tennessee. 
and we talk about this a lot, John, and uh, I, I don't think it can be uh, undersold. Where you land coming out of the draft, like I said, we're three weeks away from the draft, and how you, uh, where, where, what team you actually end up being with can have a large impact on what kind of career you're going to have. If oh, you yeah. land, land with the right team, land with the right system, they play to your strength, you fit what they want to do. Oh, that can make or break your career. And I don't think Marcus Mariota was done any favors by landing in Tennessee, who uh, has never been an offensive-based team, and it wasn't when Mariota there. It still isn't today. Who knows? Maybe his career could have gone differently, but it went the way it went, and now he lands here in Philadelphia, and he can share all those experiences with Jalen Hurts. He has been the man. He has fallen out of grace. He has been the backup. He has come back to be a starter in the league last year. So he's got a lot that he can share with Jalen Hurts, that I'm sorry, Gardner Minshew just never could. No, you're right. I mean, that's the the unique part of it. I mean, very rarely this guy has been uh, a face of a franchise. I mean, he was brought in. This is, you know, the number two overall pick in the draft. This guy was supposed to be a superstar. It didn't work out that way. But he had the the entire hopes on a city on his shoulders. So he he kind of knows the situation Jalen is in now. And there's not a lot of quarterbacks who who understand that, um, yeah, and and certainly most backups don't understand it. So, yeah, I mean, this guy, yeah, he was he was one of these guys. I mean, people in Philadelphia you know because the Eagles were talking about trading half of their team for him, uh, you know, and and part of that was Chip Kelly, and part of that was Fletcher Cox, and all the draft picks, and. You know, I think it was ironic. It was probably Andy Reid, the reason Marcus Mariota didn't land in Philadelphia because, you know, Ken Wisenhunt was looking for advice, and Andy told him, you know, if you think you got your franchise quarterback, take the quarterback. I mean, and Andy's right, by the way. Um, and I think people took that wrong, saying he's trying to screw the Eagles. He wasn't trying. He's just giving it. But that's how the NFL works. But if you think somebody's the guy, I don't care – like this year with 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 Carolina now at number one, you know whoever you think it is, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, you, you know build do everything humanly possible to build around that player uh, to to maximize that player. That's where the Titans were with Ken Wisenhunt, and it was a little bit different because Ken's an offensive guy, like Mike Rabel. Yeah, they're it's different. Back then, it didn't work out because Marcus. Wasn't good enough, uh, to be honest. But, you know, and I do think it became the Philadelphia chip to maximize them better than probably anybody else. But I still don't think it would have worked out because ultimately he wasn't good enough. But he knows that situation. He knows what it's like to be a franchise quarterback. And I do think that could be helpful for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, never was a big Ken Wisenhunt fan. Uh, sounds like you are. I think the guy was kind of overrated. If Andy gave him good advice and good on Andy, and your point about Andy trying to screw the Eagles being off point, uh, I agree wholeheartedly with, because Andy did it himself. Uh, when he needed Donovan McNabb, he took Donovan McNabb. When he needed Patrick Mahomes, he moved up in the draft to get Patrick Mahomes. So that was certainly Andy's philosophy. Go get yourself a franchise quarterback and do what you have to to make sure that you get him. 
I think Andy was better at putting pieces around him than Ken Wizenhunt ever was. But uh, and 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 Mariota has had a disappointing career. I'm not trying to uh, oversell Marcus Mariota here, but I'll put as much blame on the organization as I will on the player himself as to why it didn't work out. Well, they fired. I think they fired Ken eight games into the season. You know, um, they started out like you know, one in seven, one in eight, something like that. And they fired him. So, I mean, it was a bad organization. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it should be no surprise that you struggle with a, a rookie quarterback. Um, you know, you probably don't want to struggle that much, but you got to fight through that. You're not, you're not helping. So I'm with you with the organization. I don't know much about Ken was, I, I'm just saying he was an offensive guy. Obviously, he wasn't a success as a head coach. Um, I, you know, but I, I can tell you, if you're drafting a guy number two overall, and you're firing the coach, whatever it was, seven, eight games into the season, uh, that's a bad organization. <laughs> yeah, I would tend to agree. Uh, so that's why I'll, I'll cut Marcus Mario a little slack. And again. If he has to play for the Eagles next year, I think they're in an actually better position than they have been the last two years with Gardner Minshew because his game more mirrors Jalen Hurts. Not on the level of it, but same type of player, the ability to run the football, can continue to call the same amount of RPOs that you will call, which you probably didn't do and shouldn't have with Gardner Minshew. So I actually think it's an upgrade at the position for the Eagles we just hope we never get to see you, Marcus, because we hope Jalen Hurts could play all 17 games and you look damn good in that Eagle uniform sitting on the sideline. All right, uh, and that was the big news yesterday. I got a chance to finally hear from the Eagles' backup quarterback. Yesterday, the Eagles on the free agent market signed no one because the free agent market has diminished to basically a trickle at this time, and we are still three weeks out from the draft. And for me, John, having followed the league for 30 years and how free agency worked, well, they haven't had free agency for 30 years, close to it, but um, as the top guys come off and then you start to get slower and slower and the guys that are left, you're wondering why they're still left and the like. The draft is one of those key demarcation days because do you want to sign before the draft? Because if there's a team and you're close and you're negotiating and you well, they might just take a player at your position in the draft and then, oh, by the way, oops, never mind. That offer we had on the table for you is no longer there. Or they go to the draft. They think they might take a player. There's never a player that they like. Uh, the draft comes down. They keep passing on a position you're at. You can actually increase your value. You can say, yeah, look at that. They didn't even take a wide receiver. Uh, they, they should certainly match my asking price. Which way do you think the leverage goes as you lead up to the draft? If you were a player, do you think you'd prefer to sign before the draft? Wait till after the draft because it's something that comes beyond your own control, but it can either hurt you or benefit you. How big a day is the draft for guys who are still sitting out there as free agents right now? At, at this point, I'd say, you know, you mentioned that term demarcation line. I think as you've seen, free agency kind of has slowed to a trickle now because we've sort of reached that imaginary demarcation line in free agency where it's it's probably better to wait for the draft. And if somebody, if you're a wide receiver, for instance, and somebody 
doesn't get a wide receiver in the draft or doesn't get what they wanted in the draft, then all of a sudden you can pick and choose. You can have your agent saying, well, this team still needs a receiver. This team still needs a tight end. This team still needs an offensive lineman. Um, So I think at this point it's probably better to wait until after uh, the draft um, and sort of pick and choose because you're talking about one-year deals now anyway. So from a from a common sense standpoint, if you're a player, especially if you're a veteran player, I mean, you want to pick the best situation where you can get playing time. And who knows, you know, we always talk about get on the market next year. Depends your age and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if you're a 25, 26-year-old guy um, who's still in the prime of his career, I, I would wait at this point. And, and try to pick and choose where you land. Um, very similar to undrafted free agency after the draft, where you gotta you gotta lean on your agent and say, all right, who needs what? Um, it, especially if you're a high, you know, high profile undrafted free agent, guy who's expected to get drafted or or something of that nature. You gotta trust that, you know you're put in the right spot because if you go somewhere that, you know, for whatever reason you want to play for the Eagles because you're from the area or you think it's a good organization or somebody else. And you say, I want to play for the Eagles. And you go to a place where they have a ton of depth. It's not going to help you. Um, It's going to help you to find the situation that needs that particular player. Same thing with, with those veteran guys on free agency. And that's why you've seen it. Well, two reasons. Also, people are preparing for the draft, so they're hyper-focused on the draft. And you might see a guy sign here and there, but it's pretty much already slowed to a trickle uh, free agency. But it does play both ways. If you're a free agent, at least you are now being able to judge a roster, and you can look at every single team and see what kind of depth they have at your position. Undrafted guys in the draft don't know uh, or anybody. They're not drafted yet. They're not eligible yet. They're not available yet to do it you got to wait until after the draft to find out oh shoot i didn't get drafted well who did draft and who has what position so there is a little bit of difference between the two because free agents right now can try and sell themselves to a team on a potential spot it is kind of cutting edge stuff it can either work for you or it can work against you what we know is it has slowed immensely uh so we have no new eagle free agent signings to talk about and if we get one between now and the draft, I think John and I agree on that. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, the Eagles and most everybody, you know, one or two across. The yeah, league, and I think I think receiver teams. would be the most likely position if they are going to sign somebody. Sort of in that draft proofing mode, we talk about all the players they've signed. There's one position I'd look at that say, eh, I thought they would have signed a receiver by now to a one-year deal, one of that group, Agreed. Uh, lottery ticket group. Sorry, Quez Watkins. Uh, I think wide receiver three is a position that the Eagles should be looking to upgrade. Well, I don't even I, I don't even think it's about wide receiver three necessarily. I mean, you'd like to have the competition. I do think Nick is, you know, I, in other words, I don't think it would be about Quez Watkins because remember they they lost they they lost Zach Pascal as well, and we we we, we joke about that. But then and then if you look behind those guys. It's Britton Covey. Right. It's Devin Allen. It's there's no real sort of developmental 
prospect. Those guys are pretty limited. I mean, let's be honest. There's no real developmental prospect that you could say, well, maybe if things go right. And that's why I thought it's more about what's behind Quez Watkins. Sure, you want competition, but what's behind him um, is is the reason I thought they would have they would have signed a, a draft-proof player. Here's the reason why I think it's more about wide receiver three than wide receiver four. Because number one, Quez had a bad year. And number two, the Eagles were pretty damn lucky. Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown did not miss time last year. And that's kind of the exception, not the rule, that your top two star wide receivers don't miss any significant time. So they never had to elevate their wide receiver three to wide receiver two. Uh, can they get that lucky again this upcoming season? You hope so, but you don't know so. That's why I think they, they need to be looking to more than just a draft-proof guy. They need to be looking for an upgrade at that uh, wide receiver position. Will they get it with any of the remaining free agents, or will they actually use a second or third-round pick in the draft? We don't think it's going to be a first. All right, well, let me put it this way. And I'll put this question to BLG. Brennan Lee Gatton going to join us in just a second. Is there a chance the Eagles will use their second pick in the draft? Whatever that is, it is currently slated at number 30, and we know how he loves to move and shake. Uh, whether it's moving back a little or sitting right at 30 or even moving up, I doubt moving up. Any chance that the Eagles take a wide receiver with their second pick in the draft for you, Johnny Mac? Uh, I, I wouldn't put it at zero. I'd put it low. I'd put it, you know, 15, 20. I think that's an indication where – all right, maybe they can trade out to the top of the second round. You know, at that point, maybe they say, all right, this guy's the best uh, available player on the board. I think everything would have to fall into place, but I, I wouldn't say it's 0% or 1%. I, You know, if somebody falls and they like a player, it's not a deep, from everything I've heard, it's not a deep receiver draft. So I think that hurts as well. Um, and it has been, it's, it's, it's sort of an outlier. There's so many good receivers every year. Uh, this, this draft isn't as good. So I would say it's very unlikely, but I mean, they need, they need another body at the position. And that's something we'll talk about BLG. Cause I'm going to roles. I think people ignore roles and any young player would be willing to sit. Um, you know, be, they can't say anything, even if they're a high profile player. You got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. You know, everybody wants the big names. Odell Beckham's ridiculous because he wants $15 million. But even Jarvis Landry, we talked about yesterday, he, he's going to want more traffic than Quez Watkins got. I, I You know, and I don't want to take it away from A.J. And not only A.J. and Devontae, but Dallas Goddard. So I think, I think people ignore roles a lot. Yeah, I think you've got the wrong read on the roll. I think that they need a more talented wide receiver and they need a guy who can make plays. He's got you here's where you're right. Uh, and I guess you and I disagree a little bit. You have to be able to get in the player's head ahead of time and say, here's what we uh, think is going to happen. Here's how many balls are going to be thrown to you per week. If yeah, you're not ready to settle for that, and that's not good, then you move on and you, you get the next guy on your wide receiver list who's a free agent who you want to try and target. But I think you do due diligence and you ask. And maybe a guy like Jarvis Landry, last year we saw a couple of Eagles sign on. It was in season rather than prior to the season. But they came in, as you like to say, ring chasing. 
I think you can sell that as a Philadelphia Eagle this year coming in. You can you get a chance to play with Jalen Hurts. You are just one high sprain, ankle sprain away from being a starting receiver on a team that could go to the Super Bowl and be with Jalen Hurts. I think that could be a very good selling point. Why maybe you could get yourself a guy like Jarvis Landry. But that's just me. Uh, we are the Mac and Mac guys. Birds 365 episode number 500. So we got two very good and very special guests joining us. The first of which is coming up in just a couple of minutes from Bleeding Green Nation. Brandon Lee Gatton comes aboard. Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Thank you much for streaming in here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You got Mac and Mac, McClellan and McDonald hanging with you. And there's a smiling face that we always like to see. The editor-in-chief of BleedingGreenNation.com, Brandon Lee Gowton. Been a couple of weeks since we had you, BLG. Eagles do anything that 
impressed you that you thought was, wow, I didn't see that one coming or that's a darn smart move by the Eagles or did they do anything? You go, what the hell were they thinking about? It's been a couple of weeks since we last talked. Anything the Eagles do grab your attention? I don't even remember when exactly it was. I'm dropping yeah. the ball here. Um, That's all right. I'm, <laughs> I'm making it up as I go along here, Brandon. I, I definitely 500. Sometimes we got to make it up. Brandon. That's, right. That's <laughs> right. And congrats on 500, by the way. Okay. And thanks for letting Thank me be part of it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't think there's anything that definitely that was like, oh, wow, that was amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, they basically only signed one year guys. Lottery tickets is how Roseman has called them. So I will say, I want to talk to you about the receiver because you were in the green room. So you probably heard what Jody and I was saying, but of, of the lottery tickets and all the one year guys they've signed, who's the Powerball? Who's got the chance to actually be something for this particular team? Hmm. Yeah, I think there's different ways to take that because if you're talking about, you know, someone maybe who can be a multi-season starter for them, you know, I look at Terrell Edmonds. I think there's a, a path to him solidifying himself as a player who could be here for a couple seasons, not just a stopgap one-year player. Um, but, you know, if we're talking about who could be the best player, the most impact in 2023, then obviously you're looking at, you know, Rashad Penny, if he's able to stay healthy, which... Again, he just he won't be. Like, there's no there's no precedent <laughs> for that. Um, like it, it, you know, maybe he plays 12 games, and that's a pretty good outcome. And I think it's about the timing of those games. Like if he's available for yeah. the playoff run, that's yeah. huge. And if he misses some games in October, who cares? Um, if you, if he's healthy deep and late in the season, um, but there's just no way you can go into this year expecting him to play all 17 and then maybe as much as three more. Well, we're gonna have. Uh hopefully set join around in hour number two. So we're certainly going to ask him about Nicholas Morrow. Uh, let me get your take on him as well. Comes from Chicago, played every single snap for the Bears, but the Bears couldn't reach out and take the Eagle linebacker, TJ Edwards, quickly enough to replace Nick Morrow. So the Eagles end up with Nick Morrow. It's almost like a trade for the two players, except the Eagles are only committed one year. The Bears are committed three years how big a drop-off is it going to be from Edwards tomorrow at the linebacker position for the Eagles? If the Eagles are looking at him as the same type of player that he was in Chicago on the field for every single snap. Yeah. And it is worth noting that, you know, Mora was the green dot in Chicago. So, you know, we'll see if he's going to have that role here in Philly in terms of calling the plays for the defense, or you know, if the Eagles want to do that with Nicobe Dean instead, um, <clears throat> you know, I think Morrow is more of, like that one-year stopgap player who, you know, if he plays great or, or a little bit above expected, maybe you bring him back for another season. But most likely, um, I think he's here to just help eat up snaps and play a role in the short term because you lost two <laughs> starting linebackers. So you need to bring in someone at that position who can kind of um, fill in and has experience. And, and look, you know, the Eagles' history of failed linebacker signings is big. And Kaiser White is the exception. Now, Kaiser White, they also paid more than those other yeah. linebackers. You know, they paid him, like, yeah. what, a one-year, $5 million deal. So they paid a little bit more, and Morrow is not on that end. Um, so there's no even guarantee. You know, he makes it through the whole season. But I think, uh, yeah, he's more of a, a short-term solution. That's, uh, you know, I hadn't thought about that, uh, Brandon. But it, it, there's a couple hurdles. Obviously, Morrow has to win the job first. I don't think that's a beat to play right now. Obviously, if they had to play, he'd be a starter. Mm -hmm. 
Do you think he would be the green dot ahead of N'Kobe Dean if he is the starter? Because N'Kobe's really smart, but, you know, we, we all talk about, you know, his engineering and – um but he's played, you know, whatever it was, 44 snaps against a guy who played over a thousand last year with the green dot, as you mentioned. Yeah. And, Although you know, did he have it before Roquan left? I don't know. I don't, um, I don't. Yeah. Good question. Um, but you would think, you know, they would want to give it to Nicobe from a standpoint of, you know, this is potentially a long term piece for us. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to this one year guy. Well, three years he's going to be here. Then they're going <laughs> to let him walk. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, at least a little bit longer term than Morrow. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, there was kind of more of a sense that, you know, uh, Nicobe might come in and play more of that weak side linebacker, more of that Kaiser white role. Um, but again, I think there's a lot to figure out here. Morrow has the versatility to play multiple positions. He hasn't only played middle linebacker. Um, so it's something if in theory, if you want to kind of mess around with that in training camp and see what works best in terms of the lineup combinations, you can kind of test that out a bit. Um, yeah, I, I think right now I would expect it to be him just because of the experience, uh, but that could change. All right, let me ask you about a uh, different position, but a name that has been bandied about. You've written about it. We talked about it. That would be B. John Robinson. Uh, a lot of Eagle fans want to see him land here. Know the Eagles' track record of taking a running back in the first round, let alone at number 10 where they sit. I think he can still be a key guy to the Eagles draft uh, because if there is someone that just thinks that he could make the difference and, and they have a higher evaluation of the running back position than the Philadelphia Eagles do. If the Eagles going to trade down from 10, which how he likes to do, he loves to move on draft day. Do you think it could be for a team that wants to get up to number 10 to take a B. John Robinson. Now, knowing full well that Eagle, there's a big percentage of Eagle fans that want to see him land here, you'd prefer to trade that pick for someone who's going to take someone who you, uh, were, your fans weren't clamoring for anyway, but that could be the guy that the team looks to move up for. Can number 10 be where B. John Robinson comes off the board, even if it's not for the Philadelphia Eagles? I, I feel like maybe I'll regret saying this, but I feel like teams have kind of gotten smarter in the league. Like even just looking at free agency this offseason, I don't think we saw like a ton of deals that in other years you might see that are like, oh my gosh, obvious overpay here, like here and there, and another one. I think in general, teams are kind of getting a little bit smarter. And I think you look at kind of the history of some of these, you know, top running back picks and how they've been viewed, you know, since then, like Zeke and, and Saquon and and kind of questions about, you know, if that's the smartest thing to do. And I don't know that a team would be desperate enough to trade up for one because then, you know, it's one thing to take one that high uh, from the get-go, but another thing to associate yourself with, oh, we traded up for that traded guy. Up. Yeah, that extra right level of, like, yeah. kind of embarrassment almost. So uh, I don't know about <laughs> that. Uh, <clears throat> I do think it's interesting, obviously, how the quarterbacks, you know, that's the big question. How, how are the quarterbacks going to go, and will there still be one at 10 there? Will someone fall? And at that point, then the Eagles could be a, a, a prime trading up candidate, especially because they're picking ahead of the Titans there at 11. And there's been some buzz that, you know, the Titans could be taking a quarterback or looking to move up. So to get ahead of that Tennessee slot right there, I think that could be big. Yeah, you know, BLG, I agree with you. I think there's less dumb teams now. There was always dumb it, it, Dave Gettleman teams, they, right. you know, who just do wacky stuff and I, I think there's fewer and fewer and fewer 
But I do think as you get all these smart guys, all these Harvard guys, and 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 they get in these positions, Andrew Burry would be a good example of this. And um, now I think it turns towards evaluation. Like you got to get the player right. Are those guys going to get the player right? Or are those guys going to just default to, you know, more of the analytical data points that say this is this is the way we should go. This is the value at this particular position. That's where I think somebody could win with Bijan if they get the evaluation right. If he's no, but can he be better? It, is Zeke was pretty good, right? He was pretty good for whatever it was, three years. Saquon, when he's healthy, is a pretty good player. Not been healthy enough. It's just not worth it. Is it? I I can't imagine. If Pete Johnson, all right, Adrian Peterson would probably be the best example because he was an MVP, and he he wasn't worth it. And that guy's first ballot Hall of Fame. That's one of the best runners of all time. How can a running back be worth it? That's where I say. Should we shut down the B. John Robinson, the Philadelphia conversation, at number 10? There's no way he could be worth it. Yeah, I mean, and I think Adrian Peterson too is is from a different NFL from today's NFL. That's true, and it's it's only yeah, it's only what fifteen years ago, right? right? But they're passing the ball way more than he than when he was in the league, at least to start. So, yeah, it's just not. I mean, you know, it's it's not to say there wouldn't be some short term gratification. Could be a lot of fun. Could a lot of be could be a useful pick in the short term. That's not. It's never about that. That's not the argument. The argument, I think, especially from the Eagles' end, is that. You know, they're looking at this as a draft pick with a, they want a ceiling, I believe, you know, of someone like a Fletcher Cox, a Jason Kelsey, a Brandon Graham, someone who's going to be around here for 10 plus years. They want that ceilings. And when you're drafting a running back, that's not the ceiling you're getting. It's just not like the, the, the running back position has like the, the shortest average, you know, NFL career span. So like, it's just not that kind of spot. And think about the teams that you know are having success in the playoffs. Just, just think about the Super Bowl teams last year. Isaiah Pacheco, who, who knew that name really, you know, before last season uh, uh, for a Super Bowl winner. And then look at the Eagles backfield, you know, Miles Sanders was a nice piece, but he didn't even play well in the Super Bowl. No, um, no. And everything else they had, because uh, Sanders is, you know, just part of that rotation, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, these aren't, you know, premium resources that the Eagles are investing into this backfield to have great production. It's just, you just, it's a position. Look, you know, there's limited resources, obviously, in the NFL, salary cap, draft picks, whatever. You have to kind of go less at some position. You just have to. You can't just spend, you know, uh, frivolously at every single spot. And if you're going to save resources at one spot and you're going to budget yourself, then it's going to be running back. All right. So here's how I would make the argument on the other side. And I'll put, uh, put you two guys to the test. Carolina Panthers make a mistake when they drafted McCaffrey. I mean, yeah, I'd say yes. Great he, player. I love right. him, but I'd say yes. For the same reasons Brandon was just saying, not that he's not a great player. And by the way, I say it all the time. The Eagles would have taken him at 14. So all mm. those people saying the Eagles will never take a running back in the first round, they were going to take him, but it was very unique player almost a unicorn with his receiving ability Mm -hmm. runs routes better than the best receivers. He's a, he's a, he's, he's different. Even with all that, I wouldn't take him. I wouldn't take him because of the position. I I don't see the value. 
Brandon? Yeah, that's that's where we'll, we'll part ways. Uh, I'll part ways with Brandon Lee Gatton, John McMullen, and apparently all the smart general managers in the NFL that they now have. Because, yeah, here's where here's where the value of the running back goes aside. Your second contract. First contract, rookie deal, you're only making so much. All right, I can't take him at 10, but, ooh, I'd snack him up at 21. How big a difference is that? How much money are we talking about between being the 10th pick of the draft and the 21st pick of the draft? Not all that much. Over the course of four, five years of a contract, five, yeah, the last one goes. And, oh, by the way, if the guy doesn't get it done for the first couple of years and you just misevaluate the player and he's not as good as you think, you don't put that fifth year on him where it jumps up immediately. So it's 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 not the, the way you draft him as much as it is. Do you give him a second contract? The guys who were blown up like Ezekiel Edwards. It wasn't because where the Cowboys drafted him. It's because they gave him the second contract. And that was a bad idea. And then they had to move away from him and cut him. I, I agree that the running back position in the league has changed. And uh, going into the 2023 season, it has been major league devalued. But they did run the football more last year than they did the previous year. So if it is a cyclical thing and it's coming back around, Maybe there's added value to a running back now in the league. I mean, even if you're you're you know have a running back on a rookie contract, if you're taking it with something like the tenth pick, though, you know you're looking at something like I don't know, like I'm looking here at the numbers, like six million on average at the running back <laughs> position, and that's right just outside. I think almost the top ten running backs. Like it's not, it's even from a rookie contract, it's not like a great value. That's still one of the. Like Miles Sanders has got a, a deal worth six million, basically in free agency. That's the kind of money you're pay- paying out of the jump for a rookie. Like that's that's not really you know amazing value. It's not as bad as maybe a second contract, which you know is not even necessarily a likely thing to happen because of the nature of the position. Um, but from the jump, it's not even like a great value. It might be like a fair value at most. All right, yeah, so here's uh, that, l- l- let me try and position this PLG. Where do you have it come in? If it was six million at number ten, that would be. The what number paid running back in the league? That would be like just outside of the top 10 running backs or so. Do you think B. John Robinson jumps into the league next year as a top five running back? I mean, that's possible, but it's, you know, there's a lot of projection there. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's like There the is best. a lot of projection. I'll project and predict <laughs> B. John Robinson will be a top five well, running back I, I, I said, year in the league. You know, I, you know, you got to get the players right. I think that's what's going to happen. That's where I started. So last year, Garrett Wilson, Jody guy, Jody's guy was number mm-hmm. 10. Great player, by the way. 22.5 million. So if you go down to 21, it, it becomes 15.2. So even that is a $7 million difference. Mm-hmm. And then you go all the way down to say 30, it's 12 million. So it gets pretty significant from the money standpoint as you go down in the first round. Um, fifth year option. I remember, I remember talking to Howie about this in, in 2018, because the Eagles had the 32nd pick, um, won the Super Bowl. And they ultimately traded out. Ravens got Lamar Jackson. Eagles went back up to get Dallas Goddard. So it kind of worked out for both. But well, at least not now for the Ravens. But you get my point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked him about the fifth-year option. Like, what's the value of 32 versus 33 or 34 with that fifth-year option? And he was he was very honest. And he said, that fifth-year option is great for certain players, certain positions, sure. quarterback being the most obvious, uh, edge rusher, 
some will say offensive tackle, uh, cornerback even now. Running back, he doesn't want that fifth-year option. He doesn't want it. So that's another part of the equation that I think a lot of, say, the dumber teams in the past, I think there's few of them, fewer of them. And that might be how he's fault partially, by the way, because a lot of people, you know, you take a look at the, the winter meetings, Brandon, and how many, how many ex-Eagles personnel is around with other teams. There's a reason for that because mm-hmm. people look at the way the Eagles do business. The running back position is one of the reasons they look at the Eagles and the way they do business. I think Bijan's going to be one of the most interesting stories of draft weekend, but I don't think it's going to involve the Eagles. I do not. They don't want it. They don't want it. Yeah, I think I I would be pretty surprised if it happens at 10. You know, again, I don't think he's going to make it to 30, but if he did at 30, that's more of a possibility. Um, But I I just don't think it's where they're going to want to invest their resources. I may have said this before to you guys, but to me, like, the Rashad Penny signing proves exactly why they will not sign or not draft Bijan Robinson because 600 grand they got him for basically. And like, again, the ceiling of that move. Now I acknowledge like, I think he's, he's, he could get hurt. And I'm not saying the Eagles aren't going to draft a running back at all. I think they will just not on day one, probably more, maybe more day two, day three. Um, I, I just think again, if you have that kind of, ceiling for a move with the Rashad Penny signing that he could conceivably be a very good player for such a low cost, then I think that's how the Eagles are going to operate with other moves at that position, um, including, you know, seeing what Kenny Gainwell can do, including having Boston Scott back and including um, adding a rookie. And then by the way, you know, Nick Suri is out here talking up Trey Sermon as well. So there's oh, that. How could yeah. I forget Trey Sermon's going for a thousand yards this year. Uh, by the way, if Trey Sermon, Played 17 games because I think BLG, he still got some juice. You know, we're too old, Jody. You could get a thousand yards behind that offensive line. If you stay healthy for 17 games, you might be, you might have too much length for the running back. Yeah. Position, yeah, but, uh, yeah. You got to get low to the ground. Right. But my yeah. point is a lot of backs could get a thousand yards if they stay healthy be, behind this offensive line. And yep. with Jalen Hurts. Yep, because everybody's so worried about Jalen Hurts from a defensive perspective. I, B- I, BLG could only get so low to the ground. That's not yeah. happening. He's not going to be carrying the football. That's right. Too. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but I'll give you a position where you do like big guys. Mm. And this is a hypothetical question. You're my favorite kind, and you've had to answer my stupid hypothetical question before BLG. So I know you're up to the task. Let's say Will Anderson is off the board, mm-hmm. but every other edge pass rusher is still mm. there. Uh, the four quarterbacks go, the cornerbacks go higher than we expected. Uh, somebody does take Bijan in the top 10. And lo and behold, the Eagles have their choice of every edge player except Will Robinson, who's gonna, Will Anderson, who's going to be right. gone. How do you rank the Tyree Wilsons, the Lucas Van Esses, the Nolan Smiths, <clears throat> the Miles uh, Murphys of this uh, class? Who do you think? best fits the Philadelphia Eagles if they decide to go edge and they've got the choice of everyone but Anderson. Yeah, I mean, there's this talk that Wilson could go as the top edge rusher. I saw Lance Erline, um put that out and, and talked about how uh, the Texans might take him at number two, which is <laughs> seems crazy, but he's, he's plugged in down there, so I don't, I don't want to rule that out. Yeah, he's a Houston um, guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's coming from somewhere. 
Um, Hold on. Can I just interject here? Sure. What was that you were saying about dumb organizations? Dumb teams. Dumb the Houston hey. Texans. Oh, okay. Now, now, now I know some. what you're referring to if teams yeah. going to take someone other than Will Anderson as the number one edge player. I didn't say there's zero. I just think that there might be, there might <laughs> be getting fewer. fewer. We yeah. said fewer. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll see. And we'll see. You know, we'll see. But um, Nolan Smith is really the name that, in terms of. You like Smith, huh? I think um, I think the Eagles are going to draft one of three Georgia players with their first pick, wherever that ends up being. I think it's either going to be um, Jalen Carter if he falls, which you know I, I don't think he will, but if he does, um, uh, or if they have to trade up a little bit, Jalen Carter, <clears throat> Nolan Smith, who or uh, Broderick Jones. I think it's going to be one of those three. I think that's who what, they're going to take one of those three players. But uh, um, to answer the question about Ed Rusher. Nolan Smith, I just think, I mean, Nick Sirianni's going to love that guy. I mean, and I think you talk about dog culture and, you know, obviously the uh, the pun is there with, you know, the Georgia and their mascot. Um, but, I mean, you just watch that guy play and <clears throat> he's a dog. And um, I, it almost reminds me different kind of things here, but like the way that, you know, Devontae Smith coming out of college, just a dog, like a guy that is just going to go out there and compete so hard. And, you know, people are going to ding him for the lack of, production on the stat sheet um obviously there's some injury history there you're kind of figuring out the weight and the size but man i think if you have nolan smith and hassan reddick chasing around quarterbacks especially in the modern nfl where you know more quarterbacks are able to kind of move around and run if you have those guys out there just wreaking havoc i mean i i think that's an outcome that they would like a lot and i just think you know you're making bets on players um in the draft it's never a sure thing necessarily I think they they placed a lot of I think some of the, some of the things they've learned from Jeff mistakes, including kind of like an Andre Dillard or a Jalen Rager, is that um, it has to be right above the shoulders, has to be highly competitive and love football and and be all out. And uh, <clears throat> and I think they saw that a lot in Devontae and and someone like Jalen Hurts as well. And I think Nolan Smith is just a guy you want to bet on. Um. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned those three Georgia players. What are the odds? So you get, let's say you get Nolan Smith, because some ways you, I, I don't think Carter's going to be there, but. Right. Um, and then you get Calais Ringo at, mm. at 30, or you trade down a little bit. What are the odds? It's two Georgia players. They've done it. Alabama, Georgia, Georgia again. Let's just go all SEC all the time. I mean, I, I, I think uh, it's entirely possible. Um, uh, it's uh, for years or for a while there, there was like, well, why isn't Howie drafting Alabama players? Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, in more recent years, they've kind of gone against that and they're really just leaning into um, these top programs like in Alabama, like in Georgia. I could, I could definitely see that. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm even looking at here at, um, uh, Chris Smith, the safety from Georgia. Like, you know, I think there's there's a very good chance that they could add multiple Georgia players. Stetson Bennett as they are uh, developing. Uh, we don't want to go that far. We yeah, don't want to go that okay. far. Just, just checking how far you go down to Georgia. Calais right? Ringo, though, they, they had him in for a visit. So he's another guy who could be in the mix at 30. And even if he want to trade back a little while, he may last. Probably not because he can run so well but uh somebody will take a chance probably earlier but uh he's an interesting player um it, you know wide receiver brandon sorry i meant to get to that and we didn't get to it um 
you kind of heard our discussion when you're in the green room. Quez uh, had a bad season. You know, mm-hmm. he acknowledged it, by the way, for all the fans who get upset when we say Quez had a bad season. Quez acknowledged he had a bad season. Um, you know, probably if he makes that catch in the Super Bowl, it's forgotten, mm-hmm. but he didn't make that catch in the Super Bowl. Nope. They need an upgrade, um, but I'm not as worried as at, with Quez as, you know, hopefully he has a bounce back season, still on his rookie deal, blah, blah, blah. There's still some upside. He does stretch the field. Nick Sirianni brings that up. That's, you know, that doesn't show up in the box score. But they don't have Zach Pascal either. And I'd look mm. at the guys behind them, the Britton Coveys of the world, Devin Allen, you know, Tyree Cleveland, Greg Ward. There's, they, they haven't, I thought they'd sign a lottery ticket at wide receiver just to draft proof the roster. They didn't. Um, does that surprise you at all? Yeah, it does. Um, I still think, you know, there's time to add someone at some point here in the late stages later, at least relatively, of free agency. And you know, and I've said it about Quez. I just don't think you can keep him at his current cap number. He's like something like the 15th or 16th highest cap number on the team this year at $2.7 million and or, or $2.8 million. And you can clear set 2.7 by either trading or cutting him. And uh, I agree with what you had to say uh, before I came on the show, John, in terms of roles. Um, like, it's not just like, oh, you need a third receiver behind uh, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. I mean, the top three targets are A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. Like, those are the big three. And Nick Sirianni talked about that last <laughs> year. And, you know, assigning roles and telling Quez Watkins, like, look, you know, you're behind these guys. Um, and if something happens, you're going to have an opportunity to step up. And he didn't. Uh, but I, I, I don't think you're bringing in another kind of volume target because, you know, athletes are human beings too. This isn't just Madden where like, oh, you can assemble, you know, all these nice players and the personality and the, you know, the thing about last year when even AJ Brown got as many targets as he did, there were points in the season where he kind of seemed like maybe not the happiest, even in the playoffs, yeah. felt like the ball not coming his way enough. So I don't think you're adding another, you know, massive volume. To that, to that point, real quick, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Remember week one in Detroit, Devontae didn't get it. The Eagles yep. were very cognizant oh, of yeah. that. And and they were like, uh, he, he's going to get a start. And that, I think, was the first play they went yeah. to Devontae. In, in the and, Vikings game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were really, really cognizant yep. of that. They kept going over it, over it, over it. Yeah, I, I think that's something people don't take into account. Like, they want to. Odell, I mean, that's ridiculous, right? you know, because he wants so much money, but roles are important and there are only certain guys that can accept certain roles. And when you're a star or you were a star, it's hard to say, oh, I'm only going to get two targets a week. But then. So you think the Eagles made a mistake in signing Mariota yesterday, who was a star? Well, that, that backup quarterback's a little bit different because it's baked in. You're not playing. That wide receiver, you're playing. Mm-hmm. You're If you're the third receiver, a team that plays majority 11 personnel, the Eagles still do, probably less than most of the league, but they're, they're still a majority 11 personnel team. Um, You play. You're running routes. It, it, you're getting yeah. tired because you're like sprinting yeah. out there and the ball is just never coming your way. <laughs> backup quarterback isn't playing. I mean, he's not playing unless a disaster happens. So that's a big difference, Jody. 
Understood, but I, I think it could be a more important role because of the season Quez had than the, you're, you're pointing toward it. And again, you put it on your coaches and you go, listen, you're going to have to get these guys to accept their role. That's how we job ahead of time. We're going to sit down, we're going to talk to the guy, he's going to accept his role, or we're not going to sign him. But I think that you want to get the best player that you possibly can at that position and then have the coach be able to win him over to perform the role and just say, I would take a guy who doesn't play all that much anyway, and uh, it'll be better because we won't have any discern as to who's going to get the ball and how many catches you're going to say. I think you got to set your sights a little bit higher and then put it on the coach to make the guy uh, to coach him up and be able to accept the role that you have him as a wide receiver three. I, 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 I guess I'm putting some uh, belief on Sirianni's plate that he's going to be able to handle it if they were to get a talented player in that position who's had more success previously in the league. I have a name at wide receiver who, you know, someone who's still out there, and I don't know if you've brought him up on the show, but how about an Olamidi? Uh, yeah, Zacchaeus. I brought him up yesterday. That's who John brought yeah. up yesterday. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's weird. Still sitting out there. St. Joe's yeah. Prep. I can't uh, figure it out. Uh, uh, you alumnus. know, Magnolia guy, Magnolia, South Jersey guy, St. Joe's Prep, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, he caught 40 passes, played a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe Marcus Mariota helps in that instance. There you go. Um, you know, can run. Mm-hmm. Um is a natural slot receiver yep. as opposed to Quez who really should be outside. I think it yep. makes so much sense. There's got to be something going on with Olamide. Yeah. Maybe Marcus Mariota has already chimed in on how good a player he actually is, and that's why he's not a Philadelphia Eagle yet, that he said, you know, he, I had to talk to him last year because I had no wide receivers whatsoever in Atlanta, so uh, he could have had an even bigger year for us last year. Who knows? Uh, we, we're just making up. As we go along here. All right, last one for me, BLG. The starting right guard on opening day for the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> will be. Oh, um, it be Peter Skaronsky. Uh, <laughs> Piss everybody off. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to say Cam Jurgens. Um, I do think, you know, offensive tackle, again, I said Broderick Jones. I do think offensive tackle is definitely in play. Um, either at 10 or if the Eagles trade oh, down yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, or maybe, you know, there's a guy there at 30, like a Dewan Jones or whoever. Uh, I definitely think there's a good chance they take an offensive tackle. Again, depends how the board shakes out. Um, and I think we can't just assume. Uh, that's been my big thing with the Jurgens pick. Can't just assume that he's going to move in at right guard and not miss a beat. Because he's never done it. He's never played right guard extensively. You know, they can talk about he repped there in practice. That's great. He's never played Cross a game. training on all those nine-hour practices the Eagles. I mean, 90-minute you know, somebody, uh, I mean, somebody, nine-minute practices the Eagles have. BLG, somebody, and I wish I remembered who because it was a good point, and I'll try to remember. But somebody last week brought up the point that – um. The Eagles wanted to cross-train Jurgens last year, but they couldn't because Kelsey had the surgery in training camp. That's so right. they got a later start on that mm-hmm. as well. Um, and that might affect his ability because he didn't get as much time in training camp as they planned. He had to play center every mm-hmm. day. So um, that was an interesting point. Do you remember who brought that up, Jody? I want to give him credit, uh, but somebody did last the show. I would have remembered that. Yeah, I think it was. You think it was your on the show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll try to remember. Anyway, at Brandon Gouton, 
make sure you follow BLG on Twitter, managing editor, bleedinggreennation.com, uh, podcasts all over the place with our buddy Jimmy Kemsky. Uh, make sure you follow Brandon. And thanks for being part of number 500. Give me a BLG. <laughs> and oh, oh, by the way, I, my guesstimate, and I've made a couple of these already today, so I, uh, I'm feeling good about myself. My guesstimate would be out of our first 500 shows, we probably had you on about, I'd say 19 times, which might be as much as anybody else has been on as a guest. So we're going to need more BLG for the next 500 we do. Thanks for jumping on with us today, brother. Always, always glad to be on. Brandon Lee Gowton, the big man from Bleeding Green Nation here with us on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, coming back. Hour number two, which we hope includes one, Seth Joyner, scheduled to join us coming up in about 20 minutes. So stay right there. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. That makes us Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. In case you just streamed on in, a little bit of a historic show for us today. 500th episode of Birds 365, which is at mostly Mac and Mac. Uh, I miss a couple of shows. Johnny Mac has eagle responsibilities. So it's not the two of us every single day, but it is for most of the days. And we appreciate everybody who streams in. If you appreciate us, we can tell you to hit the like button, like, share, and subscribe. Be nice. Uh, we could get a little love from you guys, uh, but we do appreciate the fact that you stream it every single day. Hopefully you're here for the next five shows. I'm, I'm committed for the next five shows. How about you? <laughs> you got more than that uh, as of right now? We'll see. Uh, hopefully another 500 coming your way over the next couple of years. Uh, thank uh, Brendan Lee Gouton for hopping on board. I, I asked him the question, so let me put it to you as well. Eagles have their choice of any rusher not named Will Anderson. Uh, Lance Zerline or whoever it was who said that uh, the the kid from Texas Tech could go number one. I think that would be nuts. If well, you want to talk two, about the Eagles trading up, if Anderson comes, uh, Carter goes high, um, the kid from Texas Tech goes high. If Anderson drops down to number six, I'm uber aggressive. I'm Howie Roseman. I'm going getting Will Anderson. It's, there's no doubt in my mind that that's the player I want. Uh, we've uh, gone back and forth about who's the most talented player. Where does B.J. Robinson? And if Carter dropped. Well, give me Anderson because I think he may be the most talented. And he's got no red flags attached to him. If you can get him, you're talking about value at number six. If uh, teams are foolish enough to move up the draft, Will Levis and let Anderson slide. Oh, no, Howie Roseman, get uber aggressive. Go get him. I think that's got like close to 0% chance of happening. So that's why I asked the question the way I did. Anderson off the board. I'm assuming there aren't as many. Uh, you guys tried to tell me all last uh, uh, segment. There aren't as many stupid general managers as there used to be. Well, if Will Anderson falls to six, there's still enough stupid general managers in the league. Uh, taking Anderson off the board. Who's the D, uh, D edge guy, D and call him what you <clears> want, <throat> the pass rusher that you think the Philadelphia Eagles should be targeting? Well, I think the better question is take them both off the board because it would be Tyree Wilson at that point, uh, but neither is going to be on the board. So then I think is the more interesting question uh, who who number three is. I think that's the more interesting question. And then to me, it comes down to Lucas Van Ness or, or Nolan Smith. Um, and then it becomes what kind of player do you want? Um you know, do you want more of the Josh Sweat type or or maybe Brandon Graham's the better example, guy who can move inside, play outside? That would be Van Ness. Or do you want the more Hassan Reddick type who's just explosive, undersized, off the edge, and that would be Nolan Smith? It's an interesting question. Smith is, I think, the safer pick. Um I think Van Ness would be the the, the ceiling pick. Um, I would take Nolan Smith in that instance. And again, Tyree Wilson for me is off the board. That's not even he not he not last in the ten. Um, and either as well. Um, so both of those guys are off the board. Um, and then I I would take Nolan Smith before I would take Lucas Van Ness. I, at some point though, Jody. 
a stiff wind's going to come by and blow this defense off the field. I ding, mean, ding, how many ding, undersized ding. guys do, you, do can you have? Thank you very much. That's exactly where I was going. I was going to go with there. There were Brandon too, because he ran down the things <clears> that you thought of as positives for Smith and the things that you thought of as negatives for Smith. And he finally got to size and he is an undersized defensive end. And you, if you are talking about, uh, and you have to do that with the Eagles here because you've got the length of contract that you have for your pass rushing specialist edge player, undersized edge player. And I think you need to balance those two things. Do you want both of those guys on your edges? They're already small enough to begin with at the linebacker position. Now you're going to add an undersized defensive end. When you did it last year with Hassan Reddick, some people said, well, he's a linebacker. Well, no, he's not a linebacker. He's an edge player. They're still saying that. Exactly. They're still saying it. But he was undersized. And people weren't worried about him being undersized. Well, guess what? You didn't have to worry about him being undersized because he was so great at getting to the quarterback. Any uh, issues you may have had with him in the run were outweighed by his ability to get to the quarterback. Now you're going to put a guy on the other side who plays the same exact way? Yeah, by the way, why do everyone uh, – who were we talking to yesterday? It was Gil, uh, our buddy Mike Gill. Does everyone forget Josh Sweat plays the – I mean, Josh Sweat is a pretty damn good player. Now two consecutive Pro Bowls for, for – I mean, he is a good player. And then you have Brandon Graham as well. So they have plenty of depth at at – that edge rusher, but they value the position. So for them, it's about whether you want to use that term luxury pick or not. I mean, if it's going to be the best player, they're going to always take an edge rusher. Um, Cause Brandon can't play forever. Um, Hassan Reddick is either, um, you know, he only signed for three years. So he's either going to get a big raise or he's going to be out of here. If, if he declines, which I don't think he's declining. Um, at, at this stage of his career, they got to be thinking about the future as well. Um, and edge rusher is important. It is one of those. That's what we were talking about with BLG as well. The positional value is off the charts. Um, but you, but you brought up Tyree Wilson, six six two seventy five. I mean, he's he's the you know pro to, the the Hollywood casting edge rusher. And so is Josh Sweat, by the way. Um, that's the guy they're going to cast in the movie. Um, he fits all the measurables, the traits. Um, Nolan Smith is is Hassan Reddick. That's what he is. That's his upside, Hassan Reddick. That's, and so there's some re, redundancy there as well. Um, I don't know if you can put two of those players on the field. You can do it occasionally, right. but I don't know if you want to do it a lot. You know, if it's third and 15, yeah, knock yourself out. But I don't know if you can do it consistently. And the guy that everybody seems to have as the next defensive line edge player, who I guess I like as a fit for the Eagles, I like Miles Murphy from Clemson better than I do Smith just because of fit. Not, I, I think they're they're very equal and equivalent type players. If I were to project who I think is going to have the better career, wouldn't be surprised if it was either one of them, one over the other or the other over the, the first. I think they're close, but I actually think Murphy's a better fit with the Eagles because of Hassan Reddick, because you're saying yeah, it's kind of tough to put them both out there on the same side. And then all of a sudden, no, you're going to do it on third down. 
yeah, team decides to uh, pull the ball down and, and go with a run. Now you're a little undersized on that defensive line, and you're going to be banking on those linebackers making the tackle just short of the uh, uh, line to gain for first down. Yeah, g- give me a little bit bigger guy. I try not to. I, I hate the fact when people say they can't do it just because of their weight. They are a certain height or they are a certain weight and they can't do it. And that does bug me. But I know it's the reason why people say it is it's based in some reality. That's yeah. why we have uh, sports axioms that yeah. stick because they're mostly based in reality. Yeah, I want a little bit of a bigger guy. If they're taking an edge guy, I want a bigger guy. I, I appreciate the dog in Smith, as Brandon uh, Lee Gowton described them, but I, I think the Eagles need another big guy on the edge if they're going to get one. Yeah, I'm, I mean, you're right. And we've seen it with Devontae at, at wide receiver. But I, I think then people assume, well, Devontae proves you can do it. Well, does he? I mean, he's a unicorn. He's Very not different. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, or, or whether, you know, Bryce Young turns into a superstar quarterback or even Kyler Murray does down the road doesn't mean everybody can you know most guys that size can't do it and that's where you know but you got to be open-minded enough to say all right this this guy's so talented um he's different um and i think that's tough that's tough decision that's always a tough decision and of course don't forget Derek barnett still on the roster here with the eagles so uh they May may not be looking to take an edge guy because they've already got four edge guys. Oh, that will not prevent them. Uh, you don't think so? Them. Yeah. How? how uh, I know it comes down to percentages. What kind of percentage of snaps? Assuming health, which is a little bit of a reach with Derek, but I, but assuming health, uh, what do you think his percentage of snaps is going to be this upcoming year? Assuming they don't draft an edge rusher. Assuming he's playing, he's part of the rotation. 25 percent you you might be right but i do think this i think they're going to take an edge whether it's the first round second round third round whatever your edge wherever they do decide to get their edge guy and we'll have to do who's on the board and value and everything else yeah i think that guy is going to play more than dark part it just uh just a wild guess depends where it is if it's a second round pick yeah I'd agree. If it's a fourth round pick, uh, they don't even have one. But again, if they trade for one, uh, if it's a day three pick, I'll say no. Um, so it depends where they get in this edge rusher. If it's a first round pick, it's 10th overall. No question. He's going to get cut. Yeah. He's going to get cut post June, June 1st. They'll try to trade him. Nobody will want to trade for him and they'll cut him. Um, if, you know, if it's a day three pick, it's a different conversation. Agreed. Uh, and I do think there's a good chance they're going to take an edge rusher with their first pick. If not, and we talked about this yesterday, um, Eagle fans, Eagle Nation, and again, me making suppositions on what people are saying, as judged by the comments we're getting here on our stream and my Twitter and my uh, WIP phone lines. Offensive line, Peter Skoronsky in for a visit, Johnny Mac. And that's why I asked BLG the last question I asked. And man, did he hesitate. I thought he would more rack, give it some thought. Yeah, but then, oh, it's going to be Cam Jurgens at right guard. 
he he waited longer to say Jergens than I thought he was going to. Yeah, I think people have just penned Jergens in there. And if I had to bet, if I had to put uh, a bet on someone right now, Cam Jergens or the field, I'd still put Cam Jergens. But it's not a hundred percenter. It's not just it is Cam Jergens. There's no other thought process involved. I I think the Eagles are still open minded, and if they take an offensive lineman at uh, number 10 or 11 or 12 hour, he trades down a little bit. Oh, that person's going to be counted on. Uh, we just went through it with Reddick. Uh, if the Eagles take an edge guy, oh, he's going to start and Reddick's going to get cut. Well, I'm not saying Cam. Not Reddick, Barnett. We got it. Not oh, Reddick. Did I say Reddick? Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me. I meant Derek Barnett. People um, go nuts. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, Reddick's going nowhere fast. But, uh, yeah, I think they're going to be open-minded to who's going to let oh, at the ten, begin. If, if they take Peter Skaronsky at number 10, he's the right guard. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Brandon brought up Broderick Jones. I don't – I haven't done as much uh, work on him. I don't know if he's got any guard in his background. Uh, Paris Johnson does. Um, if they take an offensive lineman – at number 10, it, it, it's with the plan of being the longtime Aaron parent to Lane Johnson, but to play right guard first. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about it. If if they take an offensive lineman at number 10, yeah, Cam's back to being waiting for Jason Kelsey to retire. Uh, that's 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 my take on it. Now, if they don't, they go edge rusher, cornerback, whatever. Cam's, I think they're fine with Cam, but if you get one of those players at number 10 overall, that's that's a high level talent. Um, they're going to be on the field quickly, right? Uh, and if they're not, something went wrong. I'll say that, right? They had the luxury, yes, I choose that word carefully, of sitting uh Jurgens all last year because they didn't have to play him. They were perfectly fine with the guys who were starting, and they will again be at center this year with Kelsey coming back for another season. So yeah, they'd like to get Jurgens, but they took Jurgens knowing he wasn't going to have to step in year number one, and he didn't. And they could do that because he was a second round pick. First round pick, top half of the first round pick, expectations were a little bit different. Yeah, that yeah. You cannot look at that as good a season as the Eagles had. And we know uh, best record in the NFC, one play away from winning a championship. Still, you got a pick in the first half of the first round. That guy's expected to step in and play. So uh, if they go offensive line, yeah, I think that 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 player will be expected to be the Eagles right guard. They did have Peter Skoransky in, who would be a guy who certainly could fill that role. And they had Joey Porter in as well. DB from Penn State. You think there's any chance he falls down to number thirty? A little bit, but I I doubt he'd go that far. Um, the people value that position now. Corner is one of those. Um, you know, if we all it's quarterback, it's 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 edge rusher, defensive tackle, offensive tackle, corner. Corners in that equation, so. You know, it, it's a deep corner draft, so that uh, will push him down a little bit, probably mid-first round. Uh, but I would be very surprised if he fell that far. Um, 
But remember, NFL teams have more information than we do. So, you know, just because all the draft people think he's, uh, you know, should be in this position uh, doesn't necessarily mean he is. Um, but from everything I hear, I I would be very surprised if he fell that far. Oh, maybe wishful thinking that because uh, <clears throat> I, I think when they got the two corners done, it took the corner out as a high probability again eagles will do this they they will take the best available oh, player on corner. the board yeah they'll take a corner uh, they, you know slays 32 for all the talk about his contract it's a two-year contract uh they could they could move on after one year to be honest bradbury's going to turn 30 they know they did that's one of the reasons greedy williams is here as a lottery ticket you know, they know they have to start thinking about that position long term as well. Um, if they like a corner, they'll take a corner. It's not going to prevent them. Okay. Now, it'll be a luxury pick. They won't expect him to play right away. Right. Well, but... which, what, which one is it? We both just said you can't take a luxury pick at 10. Now you're saying no, they can take say... a luxury pick at 10 if it's a corner. No, I, I didn't say you can't take a luxury pick. I said on offensive line, he's starting to right guard. Those guys, Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson, I don't know as much about the kid from Georgia, but those two particular players, and I don't think Paris is going to be there. So it's really Skaronsky. If they take Skaronsky, he's playing right guard early, and he's the heir apparent to Lane Johnson. Everything's dependent on position. Um, if they take a corner uh, because they like the corner, uh, and I don't think, you know, it's – Christian Gonzalez, you're talking about at that point, uh, Witherspoon potentially. Yeah, they're not going to play as much. They'll play a little bit. They'll try to mix them in. If they have some slot versatility, we know Avante Maddox injury history. Mm -hmm. They'll play a little bit because of the position, but yeah, it's different. Will it be an offensive player? Or will it be a defensive player that the Eagles take? We'll discuss that with a guy who knows a little bit about the Eagle defense. He played it for years. He's been talking about it for years as well and certainly does so each and every single week on the Eagles postgame show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Seth Joyner up next here with us on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and 
get lost in the woods. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. got the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We were lucky enough to have one of the best to ever play the linebacker position for the Philadelphia Eagles. Join us. You certainly recognize the face from the Eagles postgame show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, Mr. Seth Joyner. Been a minute, Seth. How you been? I'm always good, gents. Just busy, 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 but it's all good. All right, number 59 for 500, Seth, our 500 show. So we got an all-pro linebacker uh, to celebrate with us. Good to see you, buddy. I uh, haven't seen you since uh, the Super Bowl postgame show, which didn't go uh, the way the Eagles like. There's yeah. been a lot of changes since then. Uh, the Eagles have lost 10 players, 7 starters, 5 on defense. They've only added pretty much these one year, as Howie calls them, lottery tickets. Um, we'll start with the defense since that's your wheelhouse. What 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 do you think? In the shift to Sean Desai, he's going to play the same scheme, but not with the same talent. It'll be very interesting to see how this defense comes around. Um, you know, I, I think we all knew that this was going to happen, that there was going to be a purge on the defensive side of the ball. Um, that Howie's going to have to work some magic in order to get this team back in, you know, into a competitive space because, um, you know, if they can't get back defensively where they were, and let's just be honest, they're not going to get 70 sacks next year. I don't care, you know, who the heck they go and get. Those things are anomalies. Those are like, yeah. you know, 27 and 2. Um, th those will never happen again. But, um, you know, you've got to get back to some semblance of what you were. So, you know, my biggest worries are, um, you know, the defensive tackle position. Um, you know, I heard you guys talking about bringing in a draft and, you know, an offensive lineman that that's not necessarily out of the question. Um, I'm the one that's greatly in favor of, you know, moving up if you, even if you have to with the, with, with 10 and 30 and go get, Jalen Carter. I think he's a difference maker. I think he puts your defense somewhat back where it was, you know, from an interior defensive lineman 
um, situation um, is, is where it was last year. Um, not too worried about linebackers because, you know, they're not worried about it, it seems. You know, they've been, <laughs> <laughs> they, they've been, they've been stopgap in that position, you know, for the last 10, 15 years. Um, not that I would say that it works. People were excited about what we saw out of the two, you know, out of out of Kazir White and, you know, primarily T.J. Edwards last year. But, you know, I think that, you know, both of those guys are tackling machines between the two of them. I think they had three and a half sacks all year, maybe one interception between the two of them. So from a playmaking standpoint, you're not losing a whole lot there, but tacklers, you know, so if you can go find guys that can find the ball and make tackles, you know, if that's your mode of operation, um, then that's repairable. The other position is safety. Um, I guess they're banking on what Reed Blankenship can bring to the table. Um, and, and you bring in a bunch of guys that, you know, again, like you said, could be one year lottery tickets to stop gaps. Let's, you know, see if we can go and find a guy that can replicate some of what, um, you know, Gardner Johnson did for this defense last year. Um, but I think it's going to be a look and see, a wait and see rather, because, you know, you may have, maybe you may be running a similar defense, but the terminology is going to be different. You know, the things you're asked are going to be different, you know, of, of the team. Um, the expectations on the defensive line are going to be similar, but I'm not so sure that they can even match, um, you know, the level of play that they had last year. So, um, we're in wait and see mode. I'm not worried about the other other side of the football. I'm really, really worried about what they're going to look like defensively. Hi, Seth. We got limited looks last year, his first year in the league as an Eagle. But we did get a chance to see him play at Georgia where he was the best linebacker in the country. Can the Kobe Dean be more than just a stopgap linebacker? Um, I think if you can protect him, yeah. Um, one of the things that I, that really surprised me when I watched him on the field playing is how small he is. Yeah. Um, he's not very him in the big. locker room, Seth. I, yeah. It's a lot. I, I, you know, they list him at, at two twenty, but I, I, I don't, I don't think he's two twenty. and well, I don't know was, what you, I'm going to guess you played at about two forty five, yeah. uh, somewhere in that range. Yeah. And, and tomorrow might be smaller than Nicobe Dean. It's crazy. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, I get it because, you know, this is a new NFL. The way that you play defense, you want speed guys at the linebacker position. Um, but I also think that it becomes a an Achilles heel, if you will. Um, if that guy doesn't know how to read what he sees and you can't protect him, and that's been an issue in the run game. Um as good as the Eagles' defense was last year, they gave up 121 yards a game on the ground. Um, if And if things keep trending the way it is trending and people will say that it's not, but teams are starting to run the football a little more. Last year, you know, the runs in the National Football League were up, you know, over what it's looked like, you know, the previous couple of years. Then that's problematic because if you got what you had last year and you couldn't, get the run stop. Um, what is it, what are you going to look like this year from the interior standpoint? The linebackers always look to me like they're lost, like they're not sure where they fit. Then you take a guy like N'Kobe Dean, who is barely six foot tall, you know, to your point, probably 
215 pounds, um, and you're taking on a guy that you're giving away 110, 115 pounds to, that's just not a great formula. But the one thing he can do is he can run. And the limited time that he did get to play, he got in there and he made some tackles and he made some plays. So all of this is just wait and see. Jordan Davis, can he rush the passer? You know, I read the article where Howie was talking about, you know, the conversation that went on in the room about, you know, why this guy is sliding last year. Um, And someone said, well, we're not sure whether he can be a pass rusher. And his question was, oh, okay, well, why not? You know, you can ask why not, and you could put the onus on Tracy Rocker to turn him into a pass rusher. Um, but if he isn't putting in the work and he's not getting his weight down, you know, to a point where he can be a, a, a three down player, you know, then, you know, you got some problems because, you know, to move up to 13 to draft a defensive tackle that's only a two down player, that's a major problem. Yeah, Davis is interesting. And Jody can tell you, Seth, I've been saying since they drafted him. I think he was too esoteric for Philadelphia, you know, because he is about, you think about what went on at Georgia. I mean, he tied up the blockers and the Kobe made the plays and they're mm-hmm. trying to duplicate it. And I've used Haloti Nada as the comparison. You know, Haloti was, I think, the 12th overall pick when he came in. Uh, and But he wasn't a pass rusher. He was just a big nose tackle. I think he had 30, 35 sacks in 14 years. But he was like a five-time All-Pro early in his career. He did his job. Mm-hmm. If Jordan Davis turns into Haloti Nada, is that good enough, or does he have to? Does he have to turn into a, a pass rusher? Because I, I got to be honest with you, I don't think he's turning into a pass rusher. That's just me. Well, it, Jody, let, let me, John, let me tell you something, man. I, I think that. Players can turn into what they need to turn into if they're willing to put in the work. It's not easy, you know. I wasn't a great pass rusher, you know, when I first got to the birds. I mean, I was more of a run stopper. I could play some man-to-man, those things. But, you know, I had great examples around me and great examples in the league, and Buddy would make us go down with the defensive linemen, you know, doing pass rush and, and get in pass rushes every single day, you know. So you work on your craft and you, you know, you work on, you master your craft in the off season, you know, what's Jordan Davis's, you know, biggest issue right now. Um, He's got to get a pro body. He still has a college body. Okay. He's a massive kid. You know, you know where he's going to align. They don't move him. They don't loop him. They don't do a whole lot. So you know where he's going to be every single play, you know, he's got to get down in my opinion to 320 to 330 okay he's got to you know transform some of that baby fat into muscle and then he's got to get on a jump rope he's got to get on a ladder uh maybe take a tap class you know whatever it takes (laughs) you know he's he's he, he you can see that he's got decent feet you know but pass rushing is all about you know the foot movement foot quickness you know and moves and when you've been the biggest kid on the football field your entire career and they've they've carved out a niche for you to be you know a run stopper you know uh be able to hold a double team at the point and that's what you get comfortable doing then that's what you're comfortable doing 
Um, the only way you get better at something is you get uncomfortable at working at it until it becomes, you know, a, a point of mastery for you, you know, and as a player, you know, you got to want to get better. You know, you got to, it's like quarterbacks. It's like Jalen Hurts last year. He went to the offseason last year and everybody was just complaining about, oh, you know, I don't know if this guy has the arm strength. I don't know if he can find the accuracy. I, th there was a lot of questions, but what did he yeah. do? He went to work. He went and found someone that could help make him a franchise quarterback and look at the results. So I'm not one of those people that believe that a guy can't do it. It's just, you know, does he want to do it? And is he willing to really put in the hard work to get there? Uh, when Jonathan Gannon became the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, no one was shocked. They, Sorry, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't resist. That was for right. John. Knew, knew it was coming that there was a good chance he was going to get a head coaching gig, and sure enough, he did, which means the Eagles had to replace him. And a lot of people thought it would be easy that Denard Wilson would move from DB coach, being Gannon's right-hand man, and uh, the Eagles' desire to keep the system as close to the one that they had under Gannon in place. They interviewed Wilson. They brought in Sean Desai from outside the organization, and that's who they ended up hiring. They decided to go a little bit different than what most people thought was going mm -hmm. to happen. Did the Eagles get their new defensive coordinator higher right? Well, I think they got it right because I I, I believe that this – and I'm saying they got it right because um, this is the guy, in my opinion, that Nick Sirianni wanted. I, I think what we saw out of Jonathan Gannon was as much <clears throat> as what Nick Sirianni wanted as what – as is what – Jonathan Gannon wanted to put on the field. Um, listen, I, I I believe that Nick Sirianni is, you know, if he had his druthers, that um, um, Vic Fangio would probably be his defense coordinator. The way it played out with the Eagles making it all the way to the Super Bowl, he lost out on that opportunity because Vic couldn't wait, you know, for things to play out and Jonathan to leave. So I think what winds up happening is, you know, he's looking at the situation and saying, okay, Sean Desai is more closer to Vic Fangio, you know, than my guy here because he coached with him. He came up with him. So the mentality is this is what he, this is how I know that this is how this guy, you know, sees defense. Um, I also believe that, you know, and I don't know it to be factual, <clears throat> but I think that, you know, just the reaction and how the departure with Denard Wilson happened after everything was said and done, that there was some philosophy differences that maybe Denard um, felt like, you know, he wanted to play the game a little bit differently than Jonathan Gannon actually called the game. And, you know, mm -hmm. Nick Sirianni looked at the situation and was like, because, I mean, if you go all the way back to the bye week, you know, there were some really telling things that Nick said in defense of um, of Jonathan Gannon. He talked about, you know, backing off when they got a lead, because you remember the early part of the season, the Eagles would jump out in a big lead on a team, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they come back yeah. in the third quarter and they were scrambling like crazy down the stretch trying to figure out, you know, how to get the win. 
you know, instead of being aggressive against some of those younger quarterbacks, some of those quarterbacks, you know, who hadn't played a whole lot of ball, you know, they sat back and let these guys, you know, get their confidence back. Um, you can see it in game one against the Detroit Lions. They started off, yeah, they got behind, but when they got back ahead in that football game, you know, and they had Jared Goff absolutely rattled, he called the dogs off, you know, and Nick Sirianni talked about that, you know, because he was asked by someone about playing a little more aggressive on the defensive side of the ball, and he defended it and pretty much said, hey, you know, <clears throat> we, we got the lead. We felt comfortable, you know, so I kind of talked to Jonathan about, you know, pulling off a little bit. I, I think that the way that they play defense is the way that Nick Sirianni believes that you play defense in the National Football League. His motto is create explosive plays on offense and prevent explosive plays on defense. Um, and if that's his motto, you know, then that's the way they're going to play defense. And we're in for a few more years of what we've been watching over the last two years. Um, yeah. We'll say, hey, at least we got to the Super Bowl. But, you know, I'm not one of those one of those people that are fans of how they play the game. I'm with you. People think Seth and I disagree a lot on the <laughs> postgame show. But, you know, we actually have the same – Jody knows as well. I don't like it. I, 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 don't, I don't like the scheme. I just try to tell people what they're trying to accomplish. And I'm glad, Seth, you brought up the fact that Nick Sirianni says it all the time. Turnovers, limit explosive plays defensively. He said it, he must have said it 10 times last year. It's the same with Howie as a GM when he says, we're going we're gonna to draft offensive defensive line. That's what we're going to do. That's how mm -hmm. we're going to roll, he said. And people are always shocked he didn't take the wide receiver or the running back or the skill position player or the sexier choice. Nick tells you what he wants defensively, and that's limiting explosive plays. He says it all the time. So we have that baked in. From your perspective, Seth, knowing that, knowing that's the scheme they want, what do they have to do better to get over the top? Just situational football? You know, Nick Martin, two 215-pound linebackers, did they need different traits? Did they need more aggressive safeties? Uh, when it comes to playmaking, when the ball's in the air, you can't get much more aggressive than CJ was. But mm -hmm. if, if we all agree this is the system they're going to play, what do they need to do better? Well, they, the first thing they got to they got to hope that they can get close to fifty sacks next year. That's the first thing, um, because if you're going to play that way and put all the onus and put all the responsibility on the defensive front, you know, to save you during, um, you know, in, in passing situations and. You know, let, 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 me, let me just say this. I believe that, you know, let's go back to the Super Bowl for a sec. To a man, everybody on the Eagles said, hey, listen, we all had to play on the same field. That's such nonsense, John. It's absolute nonsense. That's, I, I applaud them and I give them the thumbs up because, you know, they didn't, they didn't cry over spilt milk um, the way the 49ers did. But the crux of that defense, what made that grief defense great last year, was their pass rush. Yeah. Okay? And the field nullified it 
for the defense because there were plenty of times where they were right there and they couldn't get there because of the field, okay? When you post 70 sacks, that's the strength of your defense. And when you can't keep your feet every time you're trying to turn the corner against a marginal, average at best offensive line, you're going to tell me that that's not a, a disadvantage? That wasn't who the Kansas City Chiefs defense is. Yeah, I'm still a little salty. I'm still not over it. That's not who the Kansas City defense is. That That's not – yeah, Chris Jones, yeah. But you can double him and take him away. But you weren't worried about their edge rushes. You weren't worried about them, you know, really applying pressure in a four-man rush because that's not who they were. That's not what they were last year. They were more of a blitzing defense, you know, when if Chris Jones wasn't just wrecking shot. So – there was a massive advantage from that standpoint. Um, they still got the the guys on the outside that, that are going to be productive. They need to get the push on the inside. H- how are you going to replace <clears throat> how are you going to replace 11 sacks with Hargrave? Um, that's a big deal. Um, I, I get it. You undervalue, you devalue the linebacker position because you, you do you've been doing it for so long. But look at the great defenses in the National Football League, you know, not only in my era, but even right now. All the great defenses have at least one really good linebacker. They just do, you know. I would argue the Eagles had one last year, and they let them walk for $6.5 million. I, I, I know TJ's not Fred Warner, but here, here's my point. My only point is this, Seth. They finally developed a linebacker who was pretty good. Pretty good player. And they let him walk. And now we're back in this Paul Warlow, LJ Fort, Eric Wilson sort of, uh, uh, you know, tumble washing machine with Nicholas Morrow. He's not TJ Edwards. I'm not saying TJ Edwards is Seth Joyner, but TJ is a pretty good player. They developed him. They should take pride in that because he was an undrafted kid. And they still let them walk. That's how much they devalue the position. Well, listen, I, I I knew the minute that he got the offer sheet that he was gone, that they weren't going to to match that number. You know, they just don't look at the line. Look at what they extended him to. You know, when he became the starter and they extended him, I think they extended him something like, you know, 1.3 or 1.5, 1.6, somewhere in there. I mean – yeah, but that no. was bookkeeping because he was undrafted. So he didn't have that fourth year. So they basically took away his restricted year, gave it to him. And yeah, then when gonna... it came up to his unrestricted year, um, they just said six and a half is too much. But if you're going to if – if that guy's going to be your starter, then pay him like your starter. Because the year before, he earned the fact to be, that he was going to be the starter coming into this year. Okay? So then pay him like a starter. Right. You know, I'm pretty sure that 1.3 to 1.5 isn't the average, you know, for starting linebackers. At least you can start there, you know, to get the guy to a point where he feels like, oh, you know, they're really, you know, they value me. But that sent the message that they didn't value him. So the first opportunity he got to get the hell out of the Dodge, of course he was going to take it and he was going to leave. You know, you're only, you're limited. You know, it's like these guys aren't playing 13, 14 years, you know, like I did. They're just not, you know, so they got to hurry up and get their money while they can get their money. And for him to come back and give them another discount, that didn't make any sense whatsoever. 
you know. Right. But, was, but I'm just I'm 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 really of the belief that you know I was disappointed by what I saw at the linebacker position. Yeah, you know what, 100, 130, 140, 150 plus tackles, that's a big deal. But stop and think about it. You know, you're also playing 17 games and throw in three more, you know, with the playoffs and the Super Bowl. That's a lot of games. You know, you should be averaging somewhere as a linebacker, somewhere somewhere around, you know, eight to 12 tackles a game. And that shouldn't be a big deal. That should be part of your job description. You know, but what I need to see out of the linebackers, give me a guy that can rush the passer every once in a while. When I send him, I know that he can get there at least 50 to 60 percent of the time. Give me a guy who's going to drop, be able to read, you know, routes, get his eyes on the quarterback and be able to give me, you know, three or four interceptions a year. You know, give me a guy that's going to cause, you know, four or five fumbles when they get to the point attack, you know, on that 140 tackles a game. I just I didn't see that. And and to me, that's what the Eagles are missing. That's what, in my opinion, stops them from being, you know, a dominant defense when you can pass rush the way that you can. Is that guy who's going to control what goes on at that at that second level from the running game perspective. But you can also count on that guys to, to make some plays along the way to help shift the dynamic of what's happening in game to giving us a positive as to how the game is going to be determined. Seth, the linebacker you described, T.J. Uh, Edwards was not that player. The Eagles didn't have that player. Very few teams in the National Football League had that player. There's mm-hmm. like four or five of them in the entire league, the way you just described them. Surely the Eagles didn't have them, but there's a whole bunch of teams didn't have that I player either. Nick Morrow's not that guy. He's not that player. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, last question for me, Seth, and I have to ask this because – I then when I'm asked the question down the road, I can say, here's what Seth told me. Do you have any desire to be a football coach in the National Football League? Mm. Man, this, this thing just won't die, will it, John? No, it won't. <laughs> I, get, I get asked it a couple of times. Here, well, why don't they just make Seth the linebacker coach? Why don't they make Seth the defensive coordinator? Yeah, I got to answer the questions. So I'd rather have the answer come from the source. You know what? If, if, if the situation and the opportunity was right, I would I would give it deep consideration. It's not that thing that I go and I chase. You know, I get people all the time, you know, whether it's social media or when I do shows like this, you know, oh, you know, he talks like he knows everything. You know, why isn't he a coach? You know, he's not a coach because of, you know, his, his, um, his mentality and the way that he is. Listen, if I really wanted to pursue it, then I could be a quality control guy somewhere for a year or two and slowly move up if that's what I wanted to do. Um, you know, it, it's not, if I was like 40 something Jody, you know, I might think about it when I was 40, I didn't really think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, man, I love what I do. Um, and somebody's going to have to come get me and, and convince me to do something different. You know, listen, last year I did three TV shows and a radio show, you know, every single week. And I got to just talk about football. It's what I love to do, to talk about football. Now, can I take some of what's in here and some of what's in my heart and pour it into some young players? Sure, you know, but the situation's got to be right for me. If it ain't right for me, I'm not stepping out of my comfort zone of working five or six 
you know, five to six months a year and then being able to travel with my, with my lady and, you know, enjoy my off season playing golf. Because when you coach, that's what you coach. Oh, yeah, you yeah. coach all year I long. Get, you yeah. might, what, what, what do you get? Two weeks off, John? Yeah, you get two, guys, weeks, two, weeks, two weeks out of 50 weeks. And you yeah. go from, you know, preparing, preparing for the draft to OTAs to training camp, from training camp into the season. You got a long season. As soon as the season is over, depending on how far you get in the playoffs, boom, you're right back into evaluating players, yeah. you know, for – um, for the draft, then you got to go to the to the combine. It's just a never ending, you know. And you, listen, you got to love it. And and I listen, I love the game. I love watching film. I love evaluating film. I love all of those things, you know. But if it's not the right situation and it's not worth my while to dive in, because I know how I am, I'm gonna be there early and I'm gonna be there late, the same way I was when I was a player. And if I'm gonna commit myself that way then it damn well be what better be worth it, you know, from a lot of different perspectives. Now, I got to tell you, I'm hoping you never take the gig because we need you here on our, our show, on the Jacob Media <laughs> Postgame Show. Yeah, we kind of need you elsewhere. So if you don't get that coaching gig, perfectly fine with us. Well, I would like to see you coach. So I'm not, I'm not getting the answer I want, but uh, I appreciate the fact that you were as honest with us as you were. That's why I said Jordan you know what, I, what he does. Jody, you know what I would really love to do? What, what, what would allow me to, you know, uh, maintain what I'm doing, but also be able to feed, you know, maybe that that small desire to coach within me is maybe some consultant to come in and, you know, somewhere and work with linebackers, you know, in the offseason or, you know, work with a team a couple of days. I mean, a lot of teams do that where they bring a – a guy in and say, okay, you know, we want to work on pass rush. We don't work on this. We don't work on, work on that. You know, now that I'd be very open to, but the full grind 365 days a year um, at, at this point in my life, I don't know about that. You should start linebacker. You out in Arizona, everybody wants to be in Arizona anyway. So after your 18 holes, start linebacker. You. <laughs> That's gotta be before. <laughs> yeah. Got to be before it. Yeah. The 18 holes are key, and the lady is the key, as he certainly told us here today. Yeah. Seth, great stuff. Always a pleasure, brother. We we try and tap into you every once in a blue moon. We don't want to be bothering you every single week. So uh, when we do ask, thank you very much for saying yes. Thanks for saying yes today and being part of our 500th show. Hey, listen, man, anytime, you know, um, I apologize for the confusion a couple of days ago. And, um, you know, you guys know I I really gotta like you guys, man, to get up at six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it, buddy. He likes McMullen on the postgame no, show. He beats up no. enough of him on the postgame show. He feels he owes him a little bit after the season's over and done with. Uh Seth, great stuff. Thank you very much for jumping in with us today. You got it, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Jordan, I hear what it's on Birds 365. All right, quickie timeout. We come back with what a bow on the show. Keep it right here on Birds 365.
Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Last couple minutes here, the Mac and Mac 500 episode. Thank you very much for streaming, and thanks to those who have streamed in before. And yeah, we're going to be here tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that, we're going to do this for a while. So keep coming back. We appreciate Seth Joyner jumping in today, and BLG, who was on earlier. Uh, and I apologize to Seth. Hopefully, he's already streamed out and uh, getting ready to hit the first tee. But if he's not, if he's still watching, yeah, I asked him that question before. I probably asked him that question before three or four different times. I remember one time I got the chance to ask him face-to-face. I was doing a show with Ike Reese filling in for Michael Bartan when Mike and Ike were at the midday show on WIP, and Seth was uh, on location with us. And I asked him, well, are you ever going to coach? Do you want to coach? Is that what you want to do? And he gave me an answer then, and I thought the answer might have changed four years later, five years later, six years later. And if we have Seth on the show for our thousand show three years from now, guess what? I'm going to ask him the same question. Are you ever going to coach in the National Football League, Seth? Because you never know. A guy's opinion, his situation in life may change. Because, yeah, John, we're going to get it here on our feed. I'm going to get it on my radio show. Yeah. Why don't they just make Seth join the coach? That question is never going away. No, it isn't. I mean, you know, Seth brought it up. He could, you know, on that's something you typically have to do right away um 
and he didn't think about it when he was, you know, 40 and just out of the game. And, you know, now he's uh, closing in on 60. Looks great, by the way. But um, do you really want to be a quality control coach? Somebody would make Seth a quality coach. But that is a grind. He mentioned that is a grind. So, no, um, I, I loved his idea, consultants. Yeah, consultancy, you know, that everybody's got them. The quarterbacks, I mean, Adam Dado and Tom House, uh, you know, a lot of what Jalen Hurts is doing, they helped him with in the mechanics and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Von Miller's got his pass rushing thing. George Kittle and Travis Kelsey have their tight end U. That's why I said linebacker U, baby. Yeah. Chuck Smith for years had his pass rushing uh now he's an assistant somewhere. Chuck just got a job. I forget where, but um, yeah, I don't think there's a high profile linebacker one. And Seth in Arizona already. Everybody wants to go to Arizona. Linebacker, you, baby. Get him it's out probably there. One. It's get, probably get, one already. Get him schooled up. All right. Uh, we got through the first 500 shows. Now we're going to have to start the next 500 shows. Uh, we got Kratz tomorrow and Stolness tomorrow, right? Uh, uh, no, Stolness, and we have somebody at night. I don't remember. Uh, Eddie K, is he in tomorrow? Kratz no, he tomorrow? is not in tomorrow, but we have Xander. Do you remember? We have somebody booked, and now I feel bad. Uh, it is not Ed Kratz, though. Oh, uh, Andrew Jacheco. Uh, oh, so Andrew Jacheco's in tomorrow. Cool. From Inside uh, the Birds. Or is he next week? I don't know. I don't know. I screwed it. No, it is Andrew. Andrew Jacheco. Uh, then that's who we'll punch up tomorrow. Very eel-centric tomorrow. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed hearing from Seth today. Uh, partner, good first 500. I'm good for an, another 500. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I am. And happy uh, opening day. I'm just kidding. They already canceled yeah, no that uh, 24 hours Nick, ago. Nick gets to throw yeah. a couple more in the bullpen before yeah. he has to go out there. How embarrassing is that, by the way? I saw John Polaris. It's going to be fine. And they canceled it 24 hours in advance. All right. Anyway. It's they, my pet peeve can, of the day. They canceled Washington first and New York second. Philadelphia was third. How long can you get an 80-degree day in a uh, – we got to go. But, uh, that boy, I should have brought that up. Uh, uh, the 80-degree day, and you're canceling it 24 hours in advance? Come on. Well, it wasn't quite 24 hours. They, they, they waited longer than Washington or New York did, so give them at least that much credit. Uh, good luck to Coach Nick. We'll talk about him tomorrow throwing out the first pitch since he's not going to do it today. But we need you back here with us. We got through 500. We're hoping to do 500 more. Be, be here for the start of the second 500 with Mac and Mac tomorrow win two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.